So this morning we're wrapping up our series on holiness, three-part mini-series. You know, holiness is an interesting topic, and we don't, we don't want to take too much time because as Pastor Daniel so greatly said last week, it's not the, gross, the best growth church model. It's hard. It's a hard topic. It can be a painful topic because it requires work. It requires us not just sitting in our chairs and happily being Christians. It causes us to work. You see, Pastor Chris on week one talked about consecration. And Pastor Daniel last week talked about the sanctifying process of consecration, being set apart and working towards being Christ-like. And today I'm going to wrap it up by talking about imitating Christ. So we consecrate ourselves, we set ourselves apart, and we work towards being Christ-like. And we do this as we imitate him. Jesus was the perfect model and the perfect example for us to follow. And today I want to talk to you about that. You see, last week Pastor Daniel said, friends, we have to roll up our sleeves and we have to get to work. I appreciated that. It stuck with me all week. Every time I pulled up my sleeves, I pulled them up all the time. I stretched them out. <laughs> I thought about it. So it was a great illustration. And I thank you. And I hope it stuck with you this week. Because it was a very important point. We don't just get to sit back in our faith. We work for it. Because if we don't show the world what the holiness of God looks like, through our lives, as we imitate Christ each day, then friends, the world will never know him. Then the world will never know him as the set apart and holy and powerful God that he is. Friends, if the world doesn't see him through us, they will see him only as another God amongst gods, another option in this world to try instead of being the one true God that he is. Hebrews 12, 14 says, and pursue holiness, for without which no one will see the Lord. So if we don't show them, friends, how will they know? As we pursue holiness today, we'll look at imitating Christ through our holiness. And that brings me to our scripture that I'd like to ask you to stand. And if you're new with us this morning, this is a tradition here in this church. We stand as we read God's word together. It is a holy moment for us as we take God's word. Is it up there? Oh, perfect. We're going to read out of Mark chapter 7, verses 14 through 23. And let's read that together. Summoning the crowd again, he told them, Listen to me, all of you, and understand. Nothing that goes into a person from outside can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. Then he went into the house, away from the crowd. His disciples asked him about the parable. He said to them, Are you also lacking in understanding? Don't you realize that nothing going into a person from the outside can defile him? For it doesn't go into his heart, but into the stomach, and is eliminated. Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of people's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immoralities, theft, 
murders, adulteries, greed, evil actions, deceit, self-indulgence, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these things come from within and defile a person. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you are in control of this crazy world. And Lord, we thank you that you are the author of this incredible word that we have read this morning. We thank you that you are also the author and the perfecter of our faith, that as you lead us, we have someone to follow. I ask that you would make your word clear before us this morning. Open our hearts and open our minds. Allow us to hear and to understand. We pray these things in your name. Amen. You can be seated. So this scripture is a heavy one. I thought we were talking about the holiness of God. I thought we were talking about imitating God. We are. But before we can get into imitating God, we have to talk about ourselves. What is within us? You see, at our point of salvation, that point that we say, I'm going to be a Christ follower, we are full of evil. That evil has to be replaced with the Spirit. You see, in the message of transformation, which the Bible so beautifully proclaims, if it is as real as it claims to be, then it has to be wildly evident within us. That transformation has to be able to be seen. It has to be noticeable in our lives. This morning, we water baptized six people. Friends, do you get excited about water baptism? I get excited about water baptism. I sit on this front pew and I'm giddy. I felt sad that I didn't get to be in that tank this morning. There is no greater honor than standing next to someone and saying, let's do this together. Let's show this whole congregation that a transformation has taken place within you. And though they may not be able to see it outwardly, we're going to proclaim it. And we're going to do something wild, and we're going to put you under the water and bring you back up, and we're going to represent that transformation. We're going to symbolically show the world that you are not the same person who went under the water. You're a new being who has come out. See, friends, how is the transformation that God has made in our lives evident to the people around us? How is it evident in you? It's unlikely that you're carrying a water baptism tank around with you everywhere you go. It's also unlikely that you're wearing your water baptism t-shirt everywhere you go. How is your transformation visible to the world? Can they see it? Is there anything different about you? Or do you look like the rest of the world? As we look at this text this morning, I want to draw your attention to two things. Number one, if we have any hope of imitating Christ whatsoever in his holiness, then it needs to begin first with our thoughts and then move into our actions. Here's the first piece. We need to imitate Christ through our thoughts. If we have any hope of working towards holiness, as we roll up our sleeves and we get to work, we imitate Christ in our thoughts. Everything you do starts with your thoughts. Verse 14 said this, summoning the crowd again, this is Jesus, he's summoning the crowd and he says, listen to me, all of you, 
and understand. And then in verse 18, he's speaking to the disciples, and again, he says, are you lacking in understanding? Friends, this is important because we must take the time to both listen and understand. Right now, we have a number of small groups who are doing what we call sermon-based small groups. And what they do is they listen on Sunday. They listen to the sermon and they take it in. And then through the week, they dig in. They go away and they ask their questions and they talk about it in small group. And they say, you know, I didn't understand that. Or let's dig more into that scripture. That only popped up for a second. They didn't explain it. What does that mean? They listen. And then they go and they understand. Life with God requires both our heart and our mind. We must balance intelligence with the heart, and heart with intelligence. They require one another. We can love Jesus, but if we never know him, we're still lost. And if we know all about him, but never love him, we're lost. We need to listen and understand. Verse 15 says, nothing that goes into a person from the outside can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. You see, Mark is speaking from the Old Testament Mosaic law. All kinds of laws throughout Leviticus and and, and Numbers and Deuteronomy, laws that they're speaking about don't touch because that's unclean. Don't go near that person because they're unclean. And here's the ritual that you have to do to become clean again. It was all about clean or unclean, holy or unholy. He's telling them, he's saying, that's not what's making you unclean, friends. It's not the dirty things of the world that are making you dirty. It's what's within you. Friends, you're making the world dirty. So I ask you this morning, what is within you? What is causing you to be impure, unclean, or unholy? What are the things in your life that are creating that barrier between you and God? As we reflect what is within, we always start with a prayer. Lord, search me. Know me. See if there is any offensive way in me. You see, we need to seek the Lord in our lives. Check the heart that is within us because it is not clean. You see where the the rabbis in the Old Testament were frequently cataloging the legal infractions. Ah, you stepped out of line here. Ah, you you didn't obey that law. There's hundreds and hundreds of laws. And they cataloged it. I saw you there. I saw you there. I saw that one. Jesus came, and he did something different. He said, forget the law. But what I've come to catalog is the evil in your heart. I'm looking for it, and I see it. I see it in the way that you think, and I see it in the way that you act. And I'm taking note. In verse 20, he says, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of people's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immoralities, theft, murder, adultery, greed, evil actions, deceit, self-indulgence. Self-indulgence. 
Do we know what that is? Gluttony? Can we say consumerism? I want it because I think I deserve it, so I'm going to take it right now. Self-indulgence. Envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All of these things come from within and defile a person. It's pretty easy to read these and think, ooh, I see murder and I see theft and I'm not that person, so I'm not evil. But friends, look deeper. Because within this list are things that live within every single one of us. Pride, envy, deceit, self-indulgence, slander. How are we talking about those around us? And greed. These are the things that defile us. Do you want to know what defile means? It's gross. Spoil, degrade, pollute, corrupt, infect, and ruin. When I think of infect, uh, remember I'm, I'm a mom. So I think of my four-year-old sneezing in my face. This is where this meaning is for me. And then when I put this into a biblical context and I think about being infected by the world... I think of the world giving that into my face, and I am corrupted by the world. But the Bible says that our unholiness infects us. We're doing it to ourselves. Our evil thoughts and our evil actions are infecting ourselves. So how can we be holy and set apart for God if we are spoiled, polluted, and infected with the sin of the world? We seek God. We seek forgiveness. We seek his holiness. We roll up our sleeves and participate in sanctification. I'm going to keep riding that train. <laughs> when we went into the house, in verse 17, it says, When they went into the house away from the crowd, his disciples asked him about the parables. See, throughout the book of Mark and throughout all of the Gospels, this is one of my favorite pieces. We, we see... And we witness countless times that divine moments happen in homes. It's not always in the crowd. And you know I'm going to take the moment and I'm going to take the opportunity to say, small groups. <laughs> there is a lot of divine happening in homes where people can get away from the crowd and they can ask their questions. And they can dig into scripture and they can figure it out together. This term, I tried something different with my small group, and we have essentially thrown a commentary on the table, and we've brought our study Bibles, and chapter by chapter, we've gone through the book of Mark. And we've asked our questions, and sometimes we don't have the answers, but sometimes we dig in and we say, well, this is what my study Bible note says, and this is what my commentary says. And this is, this is some of the history that I've taken together. And friends, we have dug deep. And we have learned. And we are seeing the divine and the holy God in our small group. And so friends, let me encourage you to get out of the crowd and get into a home because God is doing the divine. We read that Jesus healed Simon's mother-in-law in a home and a paralytic in the home and Jairus' daughter in their home. Healings don't only happen on a Sunday morning, right? How many people have been healed outside of a Sunday morning? Raise your hand high. I see little hands like this. Raise it high. God is doing work, and it's not always just in here. 
The divine should be happening everywhere. You see, it wasn't just in the crowd that Jesus did the divine. He did it at home with the expectant. You see, Jesus continually left the crowds comprised of mixed motives, lacking anticipation, and entered houses of expectation. You see, those crowds that followed Jesus, they weren't full of expectant people. They weren't full of people who wanted to see him succeed. Some of them followed waiting for him to fail. Some of them followed waiting for him to break the law. Some of them followed because they wanted to see this crazy man. Some followed with expectation, but it was a mixed crowd. And though he did miracles in the crowd, it wasn't the only place. Is your heart a house of expectation, or does it follow the mixed motives of the crowd? Where do you stand today in your expectation of what Christ can do and what life looks like when Christ is living and active within you? Instead of being made up of evil thoughts and evil actions. Friends, we have the one true living God within us. And that brings us to number two. We need to imitate Christ through our actions. He said to them in verse 18 and 19, are you also lacking in understanding? Don't you realize that nothing going into a person from the outside can defile him? For it doesn't go into his heart, but into the stomach and is eliminated. Thus he declared all foods unclean. At the time that Mark wrote this gospel, this, this last little part in this verse, thus he declared all foods unclean. This is really important. You see, he, in this time, in this day, when they're writing this book, the questions about kosher foods and dietary restrictions and what am I allowed to eat and what can I not eat? He says, friends, you haven't caught it yet. You're not listening. It's already been declared that these laws are no longer relevant. It doesn't matter. You see, when these laws came into purpose, the purpose of the Mosaic laws were to instill an awareness of God's holiness. And it, they brought to light the reality of sin as a barrier between them and full fellowship with God. And here, Jesus is reminding him, he's like waving his arms and he's saying, guys, you don't get it. I'm here. Full fellowship with me is now a reality. Your unholiness, your uncleanliness, your sins are no longer a barrier between us. He fulfilled the purpose of these laws. They had a purpose, but he fulfilled them. They were no longer needed or required because he came. That's why we see things like water baptism. That outward expression of an inward transformation because Jesus came. And he lived and walked on this earth. And then he made the ultimate sacrifice for us. He bore all of our sins up on that cross, and he took them down to the grave. And friends, they remained in the grave. And when that happened, that barrier was no more. That clean and unclean was no more. 
we were able to share in his holiness because we're able to share in his relationship. You can't always immediately see the sin that lies within a person, but eventually it comes out. Comes out first in our thoughts and then moves to our actions. When we replace it with intentional thought and action in obedience to what Jesus has asked of us, we work in holiness. So what are the deeper, deeper evils in your heart this morning that you need to rid yourself of? What are the things that each of us are holding on to that we say, enough is enough? Jesus came and did this incredible thing for me. I don't need to hold on to this any longer. He came so I don't have to hold on to it any longer. We read in 1 Corinthians that our body is a temple. It's a sanctuary. It is the place that our holy God lives. Friends, it's time that we clean our homes. We make it clean. Worthy of the spirit to live and reign and rule in our lives. Once we start ridding ourselves of these evils, then it gets real. And then it gets fun. And then it gets to that practical point that the disciples couldn't help but share. Paul couldn't help but talk about all throughout the New Testament. He says, imitate Christ by imitating me. Imitate Christ through discipleship. He knew it was coming. Just as Jesus chose 12 to follow him, to learn from him, to experience the divine moments from him, and then to imitate him, he expects us to do the same. And as we do this, we are transformed to be like him in holiness. And one action step further, he says, don't just imitate me. Don't just learn from me. He says, do. Go and do. Go and make disciples. Teaching them in the ways, and as he says all throughout the New Testament, imitate me, just as I've imitated Christ. Teach others to do the same. I'd like to invite two friends to the stage this morning, John Pello and David Landry. Not sure on it. As they come up to the stage, I want to tell you why they're coming. <laughs> About a year ago, we launched a program we called Discipleship Pairs. It was a mentoring, or is a mentoring program. It's about discipleship. At that time, we had people fill out these cards right here. You may have seen one on your seat when you came in. <laughs> and we said, we asked people, are you going to be a disciple, or do you want to be a disciple maker? And everybody signed up. And some of these pairs went exceedingly well. Some of them didn't go so great. And that's okay. We'll pair you with someone else. But I asked these guys to come to the stage because you had a really excellent experience. And I wanted to share that, what mentorship and what discipleship looks like when someone goes out of their way and they simply say, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And together, let's see what that can look like. When we dig in together, Let's see what God can do. So I've asked you guys a, a number of questions, and I'm just going to hand the mic over to you and let you share your stories together. 
Yeah, so um, when the pastors announced that they were doing this uh, individual discipleship uh, initiative, I was really excited because uh, I know that that's an important part of uh, God's uh, plan for for the church and for um, the growth of uh, of his followers. And um, when you look at, you know, Jesus' ministry, he, he did, you know, teach to the masses and so on, but he really focused most of his time on a few key people. Um, and so I wanted to be a part of that as well. And just, I mean, even for me personally, uh, I thought it'd be great to have a, a mentor, you know, a coach, someone who can kind of guide me through life and, and uh, help me on an individual basis to kind of uh, grow closer to God uh, in more specific ways that were the way God wanted me to grow. I've always wanted to invest in the younger person and help them on their journey, but I didn't really know how. And then we were asked, do you want to be a disciple or a disciple maker? And I thought, yes, that's what I, exactly what I would like to do. Uh, my first thought, though, after saying yes in my head was, but who am I to do this? And, you know, that was something that I, I just had to put the doubt aside because I realized that if I do this, it will be a stretching experience for me. And I will also develop as a disciple of Christ. So I said yes, just trusting the Holy Spirit to, to guide. And your next question was what we got out of it. Yeah, so when uh, we first uh, got together, we kind of said, okay, well, what do we want to, you know, discuss or what do we, how do we want to do this? <laughs> and um, I sort of, uh, I felt at the time that uh, prayer was an area of weakness in my life. So that was something that I wanted to, to, to talk about. And actually, uh, the Spirit had put the verse in, in Psalm on John's heart of um, uh, cease striving and know that I am God. And so uh, we kind of went from there, and we and we jumped into that. And um, through our time together, we uh, you know we talked about, discussed, and studied prayer and different ways of praying, and how to kind of uh, uh, quiet ourselves and, and listen to God. Um, but we didn't just talk about it because discipleship is not just about teaching and learning, but it's really about doing together. And so we spent a lot of that time praying together, and it was in some of those prayer times that I really. Uh, heard from God in ways that uh, I hadn't before. And, um, you know, John really helped me to, to, uh, to listen and to hear what God wanted to say to me. I gained an awful lot out of this relationship. First of all, I have a new friend in David. And um, out of it, as we, uh, as we, we would debrief on what, what the Spirit was saying to us, as we tried all these different kinds of uh, and ways of praying, we would debrief. And as much as the Lord was speaking to David, uh, he was also speaking to me. And so I was very much enriched by the prayer time together. Uh, we, we also studied, excuse me, six different, uh, the six different streams of Christian spirituality. And there was one that really resonated with David. And as a result of that, this year we're actually studying uh, social justice, social action. And now we're reading about John Wesley and his social ethic. And as we debriefed from the prayers, you know, we thought, well, we should do some things as well. So we ended up delivering a, a whole carload of bread and baked goods to the YWCA shelter in Kitchener. And we, uh, yeah, well, <coughs> if you don't know this, you should buy your bread and baked goods at Cobb's. Because every single night, 
Cobbs gives about $1,500 worth of their goods that they bake especially just to have extra at the end. And every night, a uh, group when we went in that one night, so fun to go in and clear a store out. Oh my goodness. But you just take everything in the store and off you go to uh, the Wednesday night is the uh, YWCA's turn. But we also, um, you know, I found myself uh, growing through this. I really enjoyed having uh, time to, on, my, on my own to pray for David each week and just see how the Spirit would lead us next week because we had no plan at all. It was just week by week, where is the Lord leading us? Yeah, so then um, where does that leave you, I guess? I, you know, I, I can't come up and say that you're going to have the same experience as me. In fact, you almost certainly won't <laughs> uh, because the, by its nature, it's a very you know, individual thing and it's unique to each person. But I do know that uh, this is a way that God wants to use to, to help people grow, to grow closer to him, to you know, branch out and, and do things maybe that they wouldn't have done otherwise. Uh, and I think it's a great uh, initiative that the church is doing to help uh, foster that. I believe that every single one of you has something to contribute into the life of somebody else, either as a disciple maker or as a disciple, because we both learn from each other. Like, I grew out of this. Um, don't be afraid that you're signing up forever. Pastor Kim had encouraged us to set a target date to review, and so we set six months, and then we did a review, and did we want to continue? And I would say, don't be, don't be shy. Uh, trust the Holy Spirit like I did and sign up. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So when they signed up, we told each of the pairs, make a decision. Three months, six months, nine months, 12 months. Go that long. But stay dedicated to it. Took a survey a number of months ago, and more than half of these pairs were still going almost a year later. God is doing incredible things through discipleship. And through mentoring. <coughs> the goal of every Christian should be to become Christ-like. And that is what God had in mind when he said this in Romans chapter 8, verses 29. He said, for those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. In order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. You see, brothers are family. Just as a child naturally imitates their parents, and often their older siblings, for the good and the bad, so should we also imitate our father, but also our firstborn sibling, who is Jesus Christ. Our efforts at discipleship must keep this goal in mind. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. We want to help people grow in their Christ-likeness. And this cannot be accomplished merely by teaching theoretical principles of Christianity alone. Rather, to help believers grow as disciples, we must be willing to not only teach them, but show them. Just as David said. I'm going to talk about this for one minute, and then I'll move on. I believe very strongly in discipleship pairs. I believe very strongly that every person in this room 
if you are a Christ follower, then it is your duty. It is your responsibility. It is your calling to tell others, imitate me as I imitate Christ. You see, friends, Jesus doesn't walk this earth today. People can't look to him to imitate him. They're looking to you. There are children and there are youth, there are young adults, there are adults, there are even seniors who no one has ever taken the time to say, imitate me as I imitate our father. Friends, how will we ever know if no one shows us? Octavius Winslow notes this. There is no single practical truth in the word of God on which the spirit is more emphatic than the example which Christ has set for his followers to imitate. The church needed a perfect pattern, a flawless model, and it wanted a living embodiment of those precepts of the gospel so strictly enjoined upon every believer. And God graciously set before us that model, and that model is Jesus Christ. Friends, you would have seen these cards spread out amongst the chairs when you came in. There was a bunch of rows in the middle that didn't quite get one. We ran out of cards. But friends, can I encourage you to take this card this morning and to fill it out? We're simply asking for your name and a contact piece and then check the box. I want to be a disciple or I want to be a disciple maker. And all you have to do is take this and drop it off at the welcome desk. You don't have to say anything. Hopefully you'll say hi. But you don't have to say anything else. You just drop it right off. It takes four seconds. I know a lot of you will, will say this. You know, Pastor Kim, I'm going to take this home and I'm going to pray about it. And I'm going to tell you that if you take this home to pray about it, it is never coming back. <laughs> There's a lot of experience in that happening. If you truly want to take a couple minutes to pray about it, that's valid. But do it this morning. There's a whole room for you to pray in once people leave. Sure, take some time and pray about it. And then sign this card because, friends, people need you. Just as John said, he didn't think he was worthy. What have I got to teach someone else? Friends, we all have something good within us. We have Jesus. And if you need to grow in your faith, then this is a great place to start. I've taken on a number of disciples over the years, and I'll tell you, if you want to be a good disciple maker, you've got to be prepared. And every time I've taken on a new disciple, it challenges me in my faith. Because it's someone with new questions and a fresh outlook, and they want to try something I've never tried before. And sometimes you just feel unequipped. But God says, trust me, because I am within you, and what they want to know is not about you. It's about me. God gave us Christ to imitate and model in our lives, both inwardly in our thoughts and outwardly in our actions. And Paul wrote in Philippians, he wrote to the Philippians, he said, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you friends whatever you have learned and whatever you have received whatever you have heard and whatever you have seen practice these things 
and then find someone else and show them. See, he not only verbally instructed believers in the way of Christ, but Paul personally modeled it. He modeled Christ's likeness, and he walked out his faith before them, and he said, yeah, sometimes I'm going to stumble, and sometimes I'm going to mess up, and sometimes I'm just going to look like a fool, but I'm trying my best. And let's try this together. So friends, I'll ask you the hard question, which is how and who are you modeling your faith to? To who have you said, learn and hear and see in me and practice these things? What good is within you that others need to see and practice and imitate? When we keep God's goodness, his holiness, his truth to ourselves, we rob the world of it. It's time to stop robbing the world. It's time to stop robbing the next generation. And it's time to do. And I'm going to wrap up with this. As Christ followers who are working towards holiness, we need to die to our selfish and evil ways. We have to set our desires aside and find a deep love for others that is acted out in mercy. And it must stem from a deep love that can come only from Christ. Once that love is seen and shared, it will draw others to imitate that love. And it will be the only true place they can find Christ. So as Hebrews 12 says, let us throw off the sin that so easily entangles us. Throw off the greed and the selfishness. Throw off whatever sin that lives within us that is tripping us up, stopping us from the purpose that God has created us for. Let us throw it off the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance the race that has been set out before us, keeping our eyes where? On Jesus. Because why? He is the perfecter of our faith. He is the source of our faith. He is where it comes from and where it will continue to come from. He is the one who transforms and inspires our thoughts and our actions. If there's anyone in the world to imitate, it's him. Though there are really great people out there in the world. People who we naturally imitate. If they aren't imitating Christ, then friends, you're just imitating the world. Let's be followers and imitators of Christ. Who are you following and who are you leading? You see, without holiness, we cannot enter into heaven with God. In his holiness, God made provision for our sins. His sacrificial death on the cross, we got to partake in his holiness. When we acknowledge our sin, when we acknowledge our unrighteousness, and our trust in Christ's death on our behalf. We are born again. We become siblings to Jesus Christ. And our Father becomes the one true God. We become a child of God. Our sins are forgiven, our holiness uncleansed. And we step into eternity. So friends, I want to ask you this morning... 
If you have never made the decision to be a follower of Jesus, if you've never taken steps to, to walk in holiness, to be transformed, to allow the sin of the world to be removed and replaced with holiness, replaced with the Spirit of God, if you've never made the decision to be a follower of Jesus, as each of the people who were baptized this morning, they all said it, I, I decided to follow Jesus. My life is not my own because I recognize that God has a much greater and divine plan for my life. Friends, if you've never made this decision, I urge you with my whole being this morning, would you make that decision?